Hi, I'm Cassie, host of the Curiosity Junkie podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button to follow us and receive new episodes each week. If you really enjoy the podcast and you're feeling generous, please hit the donate button. We work hard to create original content and keep the podcast ad-free. Today's guest is here to share her story from addiction to sobriety. Please welcome Esme Delgado. Hi, Esme. Welcome to the Curiosity Junkie podcast. Thanks for having me, Cassie. Yes, I am excited to talk with you. Two topics here we're going to dive into. And the first one is addiction and sobriety. So let's talk about your experience, how you kind of got into the addiction piece, and then what brought you to sobriety? Because I love stories like this because they really are, it's all about hope. Let's dive in. Let's talk about first what it was like growing up in your family. Well, I grew up in Los Angeles, California, um, South Central. I had a very big family. Uh, We were always together, holidays, birthday parties. It's like throughout the year, it's like everybody's had a birthday per month. Um, Growing up there, it's, uh, it's home, but it was also somewhere where, you know, it wasn't the best place to, to raise a child, Uh, drugs everywhere, uh, gangs, from what I can remember. I would say other than the things that, that happened to me, it was a good childhood. However, you know, things do happen. I, I was molested when I was about four years old. Oh. Best friend's dad, I remember, you know, we would always play dolls and I had went over to her, her apartment and, you know, he did things to me and he told me to not say anything. Mm-hmm. And I remember that so vividly, like if it was yesterday. Now, I've never been able to talk so freely before about this without having tears in my eyes. Yeah. Uh, But I'm detached from that emotion and and that I'm now free, free from it. Yeah. However, I'll I'll tell you a little bit more about it. Um, Growing up and, you know, going to birthday parties, there are certain things that happened to me growing up, you know, with family members and, and cousins that as well took advantage of me. And I think it, it was from the very first moment that that one encounter that told me to be quiet whenever something happened to me is it's what was engraved in me mm-hmm. that I could not say anything anymore. And it was like my brain, like my mind would escape somewhere else. And it was just my body there. Yeah. You know, I think yes. that's a, uh, I've talked to a lot of abuse survivors and, Um, I know several, and I think that's the common thing is a a lot of people just kind of mentally check out of their body while these Mm -hmm. kinds of things are happening. And I think that's part of it too, is that it makes it like it didn't happen. Like it's not real and we're trying, you know, trying to ignore it, make it go away. And it just keeps like sitting back here. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how, the body and the mind works it's till today is i'm just so amazed by it time went by i also was introduced to drugs to alcohol very very young 
because it was the people who I was surrounded. It was the people that were around me. And I did not have that positive role model. Mm. There was everybody was, you know, either dealing or doing drugs. And that's what I was around. And at the moment, I did not know I was so young. I was, I, re- I remember around like third, no, maybe 14, 15. I remember things from there where I started to go downhill with drugs. And, you know, I ended up run, I, I ended up running away from, from home. I, I didn't finish high school. I, I was, I was so lost. Mm, I was yeah. lost. What, um, what was the first, first thing you got into? Did, were you introduced to drinking first? Not that it matters, but I, I'm always curious, like what, what was your pattern there? You My first, the first thing that I was introduced to was meth. Oh, wow. Let's just go big. Wow. Yes. Some family members that I was around, they were dealers and, you know, they were like, okay, why don't you just try? And I, okay, sure. And then came in the drinking and then cocaine. If there was cocaine, there was alcohol. There was not just either or. And I was uh, stuck there for a while. You know, I got into really bad relationships, things that I just didn't, I was lost. Like if right now where I'm at mentally, physically, I can definitely say that I was a lost soul looking for something or I was in a path that was going to lead me somewhere someday. I just had to stay the course. Really, that's that's all I can say. You know, I I like I left home when I was 15. Wow, that's young. Yes. And I knew that I couldn't come back home till I was 18 because I know that I was going to be in the deepest trouble. It was a very hard time because after coming back, I knew that my siblings were, you know, they looked up to me because I took care of them mm-hmm. while mom and dad were at work. So I was like the big sister. But um, little after I came back home, I ended up leaving Los Angeles and I came down to Phoenix. How old were you? I, 18, I was 18, 19 had family members out here and I, I got into even deeper stuff. Mm. I was running around strip clubs. Oh my goodness. And that's when I got even deeper in cocaine. I was maybe a good five years deep in alcohol and going out. And, you know, when you're saying cocaine and and alcohol, is it one of those things where from the moment you get up in the morning, you're getting high and drunk? Or is it one of those things where once you start, it just goes into, there's no stopping? (laughs) Oh, man, going in this path and doing what I'm doing now, because I, I, I believe I made it. And I believe that this this deserves the truth. Uh, yeah, I was I was high at work. Yeah. I was hungover at work. I had I was doing drugs at work. Man, I did not ever get caught, ever, ever, ever. I never got a DUI. I mean, I think one time I got pulled over for speeding, but I was high out of my mind. I'm, I'm sure my car smelled like marijuana, but never. Never, never was in jail. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like something, somebody must be watching over me. There's bigger, I, better things for you. <laughs> you know, 
it's I I've always I've always said this to my mom I said I was meant for something Mm -hmm. whatever it is it's looking after me because I'm meant to be here for a reason whatever that may be and I just have to follow through with with that feeling and don't regret anything that's happened to me because it wouldn't make me the woman that I am today I love because that, you said that. I love that. <laughs> because it it it's so true, and I, I, we're not glorifying the horrible things, and, and and sometimes it's hard to forgive, but it does take you to that place. There are lessons you learn. There are things that you experience that teach you what sometimes you don't want out of life. Mm-hmm. So good for you for paying attention to that and. Oh my goodness. Yes. For so many, I mean, there was been parts of my life where I even thought like, what the hell, like, why me? What the hell's wrong with me? Why? Like I damned everything. I damned everybody. It was just like, like I said, I've always been like a lost soul, but I can say right now it's, it was all meant for something and I would not take anything back. I embrace it all because now I know that everything is here to teach us and I want to take what I've been through and show others that there is hope that you're not at the end of your robe. And with my addictions, with my path, I want to share and be more to just to people with that suffer with addictions, any kind of addictions that, you know, to hold on, there's a bigger, there's a bigger hope there. There's like a bigger story. I was just ready from, from my last relapse, because trust me, I tried to, to say like, okay, I I can do it on my own. I was probably sober maybe for a year on my own without any help. At what age? Uh, right before my relapse, which in July 21st and my birthday coming up will be a year. So maybe about two years ago, uh, I would say that I was sober for a year and I know that I was struggling in some way because there was deep issues in me, like in my unconsciousness that needed we're we're saying like we're still here help us <laughs> yeah you and got stuff we need to talk about <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> and so I started drinking again and I thought oh okay I'm I'm okay I got this I went I went through a year piece of cake oh no <laughs> biggest mistake ever drinking and it's like hey where's that other stuff we do and so I went and looked for it and I found it. Of course. Yeah. I got in, a, in an argument with my partner and said, hey, I'll be right back. And I knew where to go get it. And I did it. That night I, I was drinking uh, tequila out of the bottle. And um, I remember calling my mother and my sisters and they were like, you're acting really weird. Like, what's wrong? And I'm like, oh, nothing. And all I remember, all I remember was waking up in the emergency room, Mm. butt naked with, with a gown on. And I was like, 
what the hell happened? Why am I here? Mm. And then like little by little came back and I was like, oh my God, what have I done? Mm. As a doctor comes in and says, you were so drunk. You were point something, something. I don't remember the numbers, but they were like, you're not going anywhere. They had a sitter on me. I had like, I was tied up to the bed and I was like, wow, 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 wow. Wow. I spent three, I I spent three days in the hospital. My partner called me and she told me that I was in the pool with my head down. And if, if, you know, our son Landon didn't go downstairs to let the dogs out to go pee that I would have been dead. Oh my gosh. I would have been. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, Hmm. Mm. I just, I just said like, yeah, that's it. Please. I, I need help. <laughs> yeah, I, I need help. Mm. Yeah. That was, that was, that was it. And I don't know what did it, what exactly did it, but inside of me, it's like something just turned around completely. And I, I just, I've never craved I've never, it's never crossed my mind where I'm like, oh, there's alcohol there. I'm going to go take a swig. Like, but that's what, what makes me like so passionate and so strong about like, if this happened to me, this can happen to, to anybody else that suffers with addiction. And it starts with, with the inside. There is no pill. You have to work with your baggage, what's inside of you. And, and until you do that, you can't go anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And many times people who have addiction, it's a rock bottom moment that makes Mm -hmm. them realize I really don't want to die because that's what sometimes addiction is. It's numbing, right? To where Mm -hmm. you just want to check out. Mm -hmm. And then it's when you hit that rock bottom that you're like, oh, wait a minute. I really don't want to die. I kind of want to live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how do I make that happen? I mean, it's, I mean, you go through, through several challenges. You go through blaming everybody. Mm-hmm. I went so many years with blaming my mother for, for things that didn't really matter. Yeah. I just wanted to blame something on somebody else because I didn't want to own up to it or I didn't want to take responsibility for it. Ah, that's a great and word. I love that responsibility. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and then you go through, oh my God, like I'm such a piece of crap. Mm. I'm such a piece of shit. I went through all of those, especially, you know, with my, my last relapse, I, oh, I felt so much guilt. I felt like, how can I, how could I, why did I? Mm. And that person that lived in me, the addictive person in me, was just somebody else. It was, it was a hurt. It was a, somebody that was in pain, somebody that, um, that needed love. God, um, somebody that, um, I think it's, it's a big piece of, and I, I think this happens for a lot of childhood traumas. We didn't get what we needed in in those moments, we didn't get the parent 
that we needed to take care of us. And I, I love that you said responsibility because as we become adults, how do we then go, okay, but right now I'm responsible for me and the choices mm -hmm. I make and what do I want that to look like? So mm -hmm. kudos to you for oh, thank you. kind of coming to that because, you know, love is, love is a hard thing. And I look at when I, when I watch you, I always think you just kind of beam from the inside out. Mm. And to me, I feel like that's somebody who knows, and probably because you've been through as much as you've been through, you know, maybe it's self-worth. Like, you know what you're worth. You know you're worthy of more. You know you deserve more. And... Mm. I see it in you. It does. It just kind of shines, like I said, from the mm -hmm. inside out. I think it's beautiful. But I also know that that came with a lot of hurt. And I'm sure it probably still lives there. There's got to be some of that that still hangs out. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I live with addiction and, and pain and blame and all those things inside of me for 34 years. Wow. You know, it's, it's engraved in me so many things. It's this whole year that working on my sobriety and working on myself and working on loving myself. It's been like, I'm, I'm one, I'm going to be one year old again and I'm learning all these new things. I love that. And <laughs> it takes a good family to be around and people that love you. Mm -hmm. to show you because I had such a hard time showing the love mm -hmm. and embracing the love because with my struggles that came with me it came with you're not worthy mm -hmm. you're just a piece of crap and you know I did so many bad things with so many bad people and things that I should have never done and that even held more guilt in me I've learned to embrace and say, I forgive myself and whatever I did. I am now here and whatever I can do from now on is better myself. All I can do is just forgive because if I don't forgive myself, it'll just dwell in me and it'll take me to a big hole that I don't want to be. Right, right. And there's no need to be there because, and I think that's the beauty of it is that's a great lesson that you've learned is that forgiveness is huge and it starts with forgiving yourself. It's not mm -hmm. about forgiving other people. Sometimes it really is just forgiving yourself for the things we've been through. We've done. Yeah. No, I think that's a, no, yes. A great place. Now i also know that you've done some pretty cool stuff mm -hmm. on your journey over this last year. And yes. ways for you to kind of process. And uh, I think it's just been interesting. I've loved having all of the conversations we've had. So I was like, we can share this. <laughs> um, I met some really cool people on my, on my way to sobriety. Uh, like I said, I do not regret anything that I've ever done. So I got to meet um, Dr. Dave. Um, who is at the source 
he um, works with addictions and um, I met him because I decided to go to a naturopathic clinic, an outpatient center to help me with my sobriety. And I did a vision quest where we go out into the desert for four days uh, without eating. We pretty much just drink water and stay in the tent and and hope the coyotes don't get us. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Like what an adventure. I don't know that I would do that. I think that's so wonderful and brave of you. What a great experience. You know, it's part of getting to know myself is that I'm very brave. I've always pictured myself of, uh, as being a lion and I'm such a lion that I I want to be able to conquer anything and everything because I feel like I was in such a shell. Yeah. I was always in fear. I was, I was afraid to do anything. And I was just like, I just want to go out there and do anything and everything because I can. Yeah. You're like, I want to experience life now. Cause when you think about it, if yes. you've been on some sort of drug or alcohol, those are all numb. They just kind of numb. They keep you in a dull state of mind. You haven't really lived life for 30 some mm-hmm. years. So I can mm-hmm. totally understand how sobriety, you're clear minded and you can see like, oh my gosh, I want to do, I want to do that. And I want to do that. <laughs> yes. 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 You know, for, for many of my birthdays, I remember always wishing to, to not be afraid, to not be afraid. And now I just, I I learned something from Dr. Dave and he would always say, you know, especially when we were out in the vision quest, he would say, thank you you for my fear or thank you for letting me be cold or, you know, just be grateful for everything. And now it's just like, thank you for anything and everything. You know, thank you for letting me be scared in the dark. I just see that as being grateful for all the feelings that I can feel and that I'm not hiding, you know, and it's just, uh, it's such a breath of fresh air, you know, it's, I'm happy I'm here and I'm beyond grateful, like for all the people and especially my partner that stuck around me for this whole mess that uh, if it wasn't for her, like she really stuck around for me and many thank yous. Yes. Yes. I love that you said appreciating your feelings because I I think that is one thing that we're kind of taught, like our feelings don't matter or that you should, you know, we shouldn't have them. You you don't, you don't want those things coming up. And so we learn Mm -hmm. to kind of push them down and ignore them. And I think what a beautiful way to look at it is that you're grateful for every single feeling that you have. None of them Mm -hmm. are bad. They're just emotions and feelings Mm -hmm. that have to come up and come out or they get stuck in there and they cause us to do stupid stuff. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's, it's been quite a journey. This has definitely brought me closer to the people that, that love me. And I've, I have an amazing you know, relationship with my mother now that before we were just, we were never, ever close. And now it's, it's, it's so amazing. Oh, I love that. Yes. So you have a, a birthday coming up. I do. 
what July they, 21st. Yeah. What um, are you planning anything for? Because it's it's kind of a monumental birthday and that it's the actual it year, is. right? That you'll be. Mm-hmm. I'll be one year old. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love that. I definitely want to do a sweat lodge to yeah. celebrate. And I'm planning to go out to California. My dad's birthday's on July 18th. I just want to spend it with them. They're my heart and soul. And what what better than to just be around beautiful people? Yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. So what would you say to somebody that's that's there? I work I work at a chiropractor clinic. Dr. G says something in the lines of those who are ready for wellness. I believe right now the people that are ready are, are, will be willing to put all the effort to, to do the hard work because it is hard work. It is challenging. It is a lot of tears. It's a lot of anger. It's a lot of uh, everything. But after you do the hard work, man, you see that sun, you see that light, you you're reborn again. Yeah, there, there is, there is a way there is the light and it'll all be okay. And it's all worth it. You got to be just be willing to do it because nobody else can do it for you. No, they can't. And I I agree. I do think they have to be ready. Um, It's not something that you can force someone to come clean because if they're really not ready, they're probably just going to go right back into that bad place again until they, Mm -hmm. until they are ready. What do you think the hardest? I mean, I, I, I don't have any clue what going through withdrawal would be like. What, what, was, what do you think the hardest part about getting sober was? The people. Yeah. The people that you used to get high with, the people that you used to drink with. For me, the hardest thing was my family because that's who I used to do it with. Right. And the harder, hardest part for me was staying away from them. That's still like a really big thing on my plate still till today. Other than that, getting off the drug for me wasn't hard. You know, there was a couple of days where it just felt weird. Like I'm not doing what I typically do. But what was what kind of played in my favor was that I was big and being active. I love to road bike and I would get myself out there. Or I would go for a hike. These were things that would always serve me. And in some way, I was lucky enough to have something like that. Because I wasn't just, you know, doing drugs 24-7. I did try to have a normal life. I did try to do other things. But, you know, when I was taken over, I was taken over for days. Trying to sleep it off. But whenever I got back and I was okay for a day. I was out there riding bike or maybe try to hike. There's a lot of people that, you know, go through like major uh, withdrawals with alcohol and they end up in the hospital. It can be really tough. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's interesting that you said the people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've had a conversation with someone recently and it was that same thing. It was the people they missed more than the drug. Mm-hmm. which meant if they were going to spend time with the people, they were probably going to go back to the drug. And I'm like, yes, so interesting. Yes. And that's even hard too. boundaries. Oh, yeah. 
and people that are still struggling with those things, although they're my family and I love them to death, I have to know where my boundaries are. And I know that being around some people, I just, it's not healthy for me. You know, that kind of hurts because you have love for them. You care for them. But like we talked about, if you're not ready, then you're still going to be doing the same things. And I'm no longer part of that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, what I hear is I love myself more than Mm -hmm. I feel bad for drawing a line in the sand. (laughs) Yeah. I'm important. This is important to me. I'm putting myself first and there should be no guilt attached to that whatsoever. I just want to drive that message home that boundaries are good and healthy mm-hmm. for the person setting them and for the people receiving them. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause that's yes. not boundaries are not easy to create no. set or communicate. So good for you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was really tough for me before I used to be such a people pleaser, you know, and, you know, just getting to love myself, it comes with it. Yeah. You set those boundaries and you have love, like you said, love for yourself. That's what it comes down to. I I think everything, (laughs) I say it all the time and I know I'm sure my listeners get tired of hearing it, but I think everybody, everything comes back to the self-love piece. If you, if you truly love and accept who you are, flaws and all, no one's perfect. And you grasp that you're human and you're going to make mistakes and you can still love yourself in spite of all of that. Then all of those other things become easier. Setting boundaries becomes easier because you know, what's the most important thing you. Right. Absolutely. Well, Esme, thank you so much for coming on. I think this is a good place to wrap up. And I just, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story because I think stories are so important. And the more people talk about what they've been through and how they got to the other side, the more it helps others. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And to all of you out there, thank you for tuning in, listening. Stay safe, stay curious, and I'll see you all soon. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button to follow us and receive new episodes each week. If you really enjoy the podcast and you're feeling generous, please hit the donate button. We work hard to create original content and keep the podcast ad free.